This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. It's time to get educated on your Second Amendment rights. Welcome to two full hours of Gun Owners Radio. Your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dermisi, and Michael Schwartz, will teach you about firearms, self-defense, and the laws that affect your rights to keep and bear arms. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with questions to learn how to become a sponsor of Gun Owners Radio and get involved. Together, we will win. Now here's your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks. Hey, welcome. You are listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The Answer. All right. Hey, we are so proud to have John Dillon and the Dillon Law Group as a show sponsor. And did you know Dillon Law is one of the attorneys on the Miller versus Bonita case? Bonta. Oh, Bonta. I'm sorry. And if you have legal matters that involve firearms, then you need to call our attorney, John Dillon. If you have questions on red flag laws, gun registration, gun transportation, or maybe you just need to know that your guns are California compliant. Well, call our trusted firearms attorney, John Dillon. That's John Dillon, specialized in California gun law, 760-642-7150. Or you can visit his website at dillonlawgp.com. And oh, if you're going to tune in to YouTube, Live stream, which is rocking and rolling right now. That's at youtube.com slash gun owners radio. Hit the like and subscribe button. Hey, we found out that we have a fan. We do. Yep. Joe met him. Really? We do. Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, I was recognized from the radio. It, uh, we had a, 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 a student yesterday in the, um, in the concealed carry class we were teaching, uh, came up to me and said, Hey, you're Dramisi, aren't you? I said, yeah, I think so. Uh, he said, Hey, I recognize you from the radio. And then he showed me his, uh, he had the, um, comfort concealment belt that oh. we did the gear review on uh, a couple of weeks ago. He showed me a, um, a leather holster from simply rugged <laughs> that he heard us talk about. And I think he had a core essentials, uh, really? belt on him too. So David wanted to thank you for listening. Hopefully you're listening today and, uh, thank you for the feedback. It's yeah. nice to know, uh, so what do you think of the show? Effect. Um, he liked the gear reviews. I don't know what he thought about you guys, but yeah. he liked the gear reviews. <laughs> oh, you have a fan. That's what it is. It's not us. That's okay. Mike Drop will have its own. One day. One day. All One we day. can do is hope. Yeah. So Joe and I did a, a, a pretty unique shooting social this morning. Did you? What'd you do? Uh, one of our board members, Jim Miller, who's on the Cajon Valley School Board, mm-hmm. uh, really good dude. He's also a soccer coach for... Um, uh, I guess they're what, 13-year-old, 13, 14-year-old girls' girls team? Yeah, I think it's at 13 because he's been coaching some of them, what, for seven years, I think he said. Seven years? That's what wow. he said, yeah. So he got the soccer team and the parents to come out, and we did a shooting social. It was it was, ama- it was cool. Yeah, it was really amazing. It was very, very cool. And uh, we uh, – I, I don't know. I didn't even know. I kind of lost – it was, it was very much hurting cats. But, uh, yeah, it I was, was going to say we were, uh, we were, you know, but we got it all squared away. Some of the lanes had a, a kid and a parent. Some of the lanes had a kid. Some of the lanes had a parent. Um, but, uh, everybody had, a, everybody had a good time. Everybody. Yeah. It worked out really well. And that's the first one of those I've done in a while. It's been a, probably a year or so since I've done one of those socials. So great. Uh, such a large group as well. Yeah, it was, I think it was kind of a typical group, uh, or at least for the lanes anyway, right? We doubled them up a little we bit. We doubled up. It's, it's unusual for us to double up lanes. Usually, uh, you know, everybody gets their own lane, their own mentor, but with the kids, you know, yeah. and, the, and the parents, some of them got to, got to share. But it's a pretty well-oiled machine. I mean, you know, with 
even with that kind of chaos, it was it went pretty smooth. Yeah, and even adding the little competition part at the end, uh, yeah. which I thought we were going to run out of time for, that it all worked well. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Got to keep fun. their trophy. Got to keep their targets. Yeah, yeah, they got to keep their targets. And then, you know how you important know. it is for a kid to keep his target. <laughs> I, I wonder yeah. now. I'm kind of wondering how many did. Uh, I was a little kind of caught up in the in the in the process. See, I and hope Joe they did. autographed them. Well, see, and that's what made me think of it because I saw you ripping them down, and then I thought, ooh, because I started to tear mine down. I thought, oh, maybe the, uh, this guy will want that. And actually, my parent was more excited about keeping his target than his daughter than was. Than the kid. But, uh, that's funny. Well, there's something about having – it's like a trophy. You know, and these were – this was a group of 13-year-old girls. I don't know how – I don't know if any of them – I think maybe a couple of them started out on 22s. There's this, there's this thing. Everybody out there thinks that uh, – I think it's left – I honestly think it's left over – from the 80s when everybody had a, a 38 revolver and a 44 revolver and everyone said oh you got to start out on a 22 i i honestly i can't think of many other people out there who have watched more people shoot for the first time than me because of these shooting socials oh yeah yeah, yeah. hundreds i've watched hundreds probably well hundreds of shooting socials meaning thousands of, of people, brand man. new shooters and uh, 99.9% of them started out on a 9mm. And there's still kind of this, I'm going to call it a myth, there's this belief, this myth that you have to start out on a 22. I watched, you know, 10, whatever, 10, 15, 13-year-old girls start out on a 9mm this morning. And it was just fine. It was just fine. So, I mean, if look, if you're particularly uh, nervous or, you know, had a traumatic experience, something like that, you got to start out on a 22, I get it. But I think uh, for the most part, start people out on a nine millimeter. They're You're doing just fine. Jump in the pool. Jump in yeah, the pool. Get in the deep end. Yeah. What the heck? You got people around you that'll help you out. That's right. So, how was the general consensus as far as uh, startled, scared? They loved it. There was it was nothing was. I mean, it was didn't it, phase. It, oh no, it was really really great. It was great. And between that and our not me SD, and I don't, by the way, last oh. week we just went over a milestone: over four hundred women through our not me SD Isn't program. That well, congratulations and to a lot of it, Desi and her team. Yeah, and and a lot of it's thanks to a PBS story that the PBS came out and interviewed Wendy and some of the other folks that went through it. And we actually have a clip. Brendan, play the clip from not from the not me SD on KPBS. What we're doing is leveraging our expertise as gun owners to be able to help increase women's ability to stop domestic violence and sexual assault. Wendy Hoffman, the director of Not Me SD, says the program stemmed from her own experience. I didn't know where to start. I didn't know what to do. There's just so many questions to ask. You know, even figuring out what questions to ask was really complicated. Hoffman says the program sparked even more interest during the pandemic. We definitely saw a huge increase during the pandemic. Um, women who were on the fence about gun ownership realized that they needed to be able to take their safety into their own hands. The program is so popular that spots to participate get filled up to six months in advance. Well, if just being a woman uh, nowadays and just feeling like I need that extra source of protection. Janine Abdullah has been wanting to buy a gun for a while. After hearing about Not Me SD, she decided it was time to learn more about firearms. More women should take more steps to protect themselves and be at least comfortable being around firearms. And I don't think nowadays enough women are. So one of the big mistakes that our side, gun owners, Second Amendment groups, etc., have made over the last, I'm going to say, 30 years is... 
they've kind of you know written off media and said ah we're not gonna oh the slanted media well, we'll ne- we never get a fair shake wah 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 and that's why you don't see a whole lot of uh or haven't until san diego county gun owners came along didn't mm-hmm. see a lot of pro second amendment stories on the six o'clock news you know in your local town that was kpbs that ran on kpbs and npr <laughs> No and we got a we, we literally uh dozens of of, of women uh Reaching saw that out. story and signed up for not me sd and if you work hard and and present your message well and uh you know are a professional political organization that's what you can do and don't budge from your cause exactly right exactly I mean, no right no matter what that media outlet wants you to say or do you don't if it doesn't fit the that's narrative you gotta have a backbone I love it. Well, Got to have a backbone. Yeah, Mine's cool. missing a disc at the L4, L5, but I still have a backbone. Yes, you do. Joe, you got one? <laughs> Mine's still there. Are you practicing your your, your signature now? Because since you're going to become a star. No, not really. Start working on it. <laughs> Start working on it. But check out. So that but so we just talked about two things. Shooting socials and not me SD. Go to our website. Uh, under the shooting social section, if you want to sign up to, to participate in shooting social, you know somebody that needs to for first-time gun owners. Or if you know any women who need to learn, how, they want to own a gun, they want training, they want a CCW, and they want help, go to uh, our website and then not me SD. All right, folks, don't touch that dial. We're going to talk to Masad Ayub, and he's right. going to talk to us about how Hollywood influences the gun debate right here on FM 96.1. AM 1170, The Answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170, The Answer. June's theme is Hollywood, and on the line is legendary trainer and Second Amendment thought leader, Masad Ayub, to chat about Hollywood's influence on the gun debate but first self-defense and emergencies can happen to anyone and there is no guarantee that the justice system will be on your side gun owners should have coverage for the legal battle after your self-defense battle while you protect your family and property u.s law shield is here to defend you 24 7 365 days a year with a comprehensive self-defense coverage at an affordable price you know bad guys don't take days off and neither does our coverage so, guess what? Any gun owner radio listener, you can get a free t-shirt. All you have to do is join and use the promo code GUNOWNERSRADIO at uslawshield.com. So, on the line, we have the legendary Masada Yub. How are you, sir? Oh, not legendary, but old. How are you? <laughs> Good. That, that's legendary. <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, being on the show. It's always a pleasure. You've done the show a number of times. Um, yeah, truly... Uh, you know, if if there, I, I think I said this last time you're on the show too. If there were a uh, Mount Rushmore of Second Amendment and you know gun trainers, uh, I think you'd be the first head carved, sir. I really appreciate everything you've done. Well, it's kind of you to say so. Bet you don't hear that one a lot. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, uh, the theme is Hollywood, and we've we've been talking a lot about Hollywood and uh, different movies and pro Second Amendment and some of the myths and. And uh, what do you? What would you say a top myth about guns is pushed by uh, Hollywood and Hollywood movies? Oh, you have the myth that the trigger will pull the finger, that having the gun will uh, make you find an excuse to use it. Hmm. You have the myth that you know, in the, in the old days, old Hollywood, of course, 
uh, you would fire the shot, and after the single shot, the intended target would clutch themselves and swoon without a drop of blood being spilled at any point. <laughs> and then by the 60s and 70s, you had, you know, the, the Sam Peckinpah genre that uh, a, a pistol bullet was going to send chunks of gore flying out of your body. Uh, Rudy Harry's 44 Magnum would pick you up and throw you through a plate glass window. And, of course, you could fire 27 shots out of a six-shooter. Doc Holliday and Tombstone could get three shots out of a double-barrel shotgun. <laughs> I remember that. And we never did quite get the count right, but he got somewhere around 20 to 24 shots out of uh, two six-shot revolvers. <laughs> uh, I... The myths continued, and very, very little showed reality. Uh, never once did Dirty Harry have to write a report over one of his shootings. <laughs> Never once uh, was he uh, put on uh, administrative leave after a shooting, as any officer even then routinely would have been. So society tells you that you can walk around on the street, shoot people, and get back patted on the back. Uh, the Hollywood tells you that uh, you can walk into a gun shop or a pawn shop, lay 100 bucks on the counter, and walk out with a gun with no paperwork or background check done. And the only time good guys, uh, other than cops, shoot bad guys is when they've turned vigilante like a Death Wish movie or The Punisher or something. So you know, I, I really... The, Hollywood has not been positive to Second Amendment since the movie The, the Patriot. I really truly think that, uh, you, you, you know, it's a very good point that you bring up about the consequences, and I think that's kind of a um, maybe a subtle... Uh, myth or you know an indirect myth that that Hollywood has perpetuated you know every gun owner I know takes the idea of lethal force extremely seriously um, it's not something that anybody ever wants to do they don't look at uh, a firearm as a as an offensive weapon they look at it as a, a defensive option and the fact that uh, Hollywood is so cold and callous when it comes to you know, using a firearm to kill somebody, whether it's a good guy, bad guy, whatever, um, I think is probably one of the more damaging myths that they that they've created. Well, I used to tell people walk into a video store. Today, I tell people walk up to a red box and count how many of the uh, the movie jackets illustrate someone holding a gun, hmm. often improperly with their finger on the trigger when it shouldn't be. And it makes uh, it makes the gun look like a bigger part of life than it is. Uh, they don't. They, they used to say that you know by the time you're 21 in America, you have seen 18,000 people fake getting killed on TV and movie screens. Hmm. And another magazine reversed that figure and said 21,000 by the time you're 18. And they essentially uh, make it look like a more frequent thing than it is. They don't show the gravity of it. They don't show the enormity of it. That, that even the, the most—if if you kill the most evil human being on earth, you're going to see the faces of his family when you go to court over it. You're going to have to look them in the eye and know that what you did was something that had to be done. You're going to need to realize that not every bad guy out there is. A stereotype from a Charles Bronson movie, you know, some shaven-headed Mongo with a 666 tattooed on his forehead. And there was one of our great, uh, great
great instructors back in the day, uh, used to talk about the criminals like mythical creatures. Uh, he was fond of saying, and these goblins, these ogres, no, I won't call them men. And the first time I heard that lecture, I asked myself, you know, where, where does this guy patrol, the enchanted forest? <laughs> uh, if you want to compare the the archetypal criminal to some kind of a mythical being, make it a werewolf, because most of them, when they are at home, they have loved ones that love them as much as your loved ones love you and who love their family just as much, and they hide that part of their life from them. Uh, your classic example was the Trayvon Martin case that the general public still thinks was an innocent child skipping down the street with a box of Skittles who was gunned down by a, by a racist. And the reality of it, as anyone who actually watched the trial knew, was that this kid had gone bad early. His parents didn't, they, they knew there were problems. Uh, that's why uh, the mom had sent him up from southern Florida to live in central Florida with his dad. It was like tough love. It was like she was saying, look, I can't do anything with a kid, can you? But clearly, they, they did not know just how deeply the young man had gotten in a thug life. And then after his death, when it served certain political interests and certain financial interests for certain lawyers, uh, the whole meme of the sweet, innocent child uh, came up. And while the, the shooting of Trayvon Martin by George Zimmerman was correctly perceived by the jury as clear-cut self-defense, the great majority of the public still seems to believe that Zimmerman got away with murder. And the public does not understand that that decent young man, a 27-year-old kid who he and his wife had volunteered, mentored underprivileged black children, for God's sake, prior to the shooting, uh, is now unemployable. And members of his family literally live in hiding because of the death threats nine years after the shooting. Yeah, and that's part, I think, with the... Um you know, with the misrepresentations from Hollywood and the entertainment industry that, that build that kind of stereotype. And, you know, you were talking about the gravity of that sort of thing before. And, you know, one of the other things I notice in, in movies and TV shows, cop shows, things like that, where, you know, someone will get shot, the hero gets shot or something like this. And, uh, you know, he's, he's back in the next scene with a little sling on his arm and everything's wonderful and they're yucking it up. And, you know, most people, I think, that get shot with handguns in this country survive, mostly because of our EMS system, I think. But, um, you know, they're, you're never really right. You get shot in the arm for most people, I think, and it never really recovers completely. And, you know, they kind of play that off, and I think that's a, that's a really damaging misrepresentation that you see a lot in the movies and entertainment. Oh, yeah, it truly is. And, um, of course, you see... Uh in the movies, et cetera, every AR-15 is fully automatic, just like in the uh, the anti-gun video demonstrations. And the, the general public seems to believe that it really is a uh, a weapon. The semi-automatic AR-15 is a weapon of war. When in fact, there's not a single nation on earth that issues it as a to the rank and file troops in semi-automatic form. Well, that and the, and the sparking bullets too, because my bullets never spark when they hit things. And uh, on, on TV, yeah, they all spark. You have to train them. You have to train them to do that. It's not something you often see. So that is a very real-world example of, uh, of of consequences. What are some other real-world examples of uh, consequences of the misconceptions of Hollywood? You know, some of these myths that we talked about. 
You know, I, I guess, you know, if someone was listening and they weren't pro or, or, or against, you know, and they asked, you know, so what? So what's what's the big deal if, if Hollywood gets it wrong? What, what is a real-world consequence of the misconceptions that they perpetuate? Well, one, of, one of those real-world consequences is your jury is going to be made up of 12 ordinary people from the community. If the other side has done their job on voir dire, the jury selection process, sometimes pronounced voir dire, they will have screened out uh, as much as possible gun enthusiasts, perhaps even gun owners. So you'll have a dozen people who all they know about guns and self-defense is what they've seen on TV. Uh, the older folks uh, who often are more able to serve on a, a long trial, as most shooting trials do run long, uh, those older folks like me grew up uh, watching a diet of uh, Lone Ranger on TV where they would shoot the gun out of the bad guy's hand and wonder, well, why couldn't you have shot the gun out of his hand, especially if he's supposed to be good with a gun? You obviously had malice in your heart and shot to kill. I think so. uh, they often, because today probably more than ever, because of the the increase in the number of drug-fueled attackers, some of these people can take bullet after bullet after bullet and keep attacking until... Finally, one of those bullets short circuits the ner central nervous system or shatters skeletal support, and they fall to the ground. Yet people are conditioned to believe from television that one shot, two shots at most, are going to make anybody swoon out of their back. One, any trauma surgeon can tell you that you could blow someone's heart out of the body, and if their brain is fully oxygenated, they can continue violent, purposeful physical activity for 18 seconds or more before they there's not enough blood or oxygenated blood in the brain to sustain consciousness which is a lot 18 seconds is an enormous amount of time in a yeah. in a uh, you know in a in a defensive situation or during a a, a lethal attack i mean it's not you know 18 seconds doesn't sound like a lot but if if you're like I said you know facing a lethal attack or uh running a radio show you know that 18 seconds is a lifetime so so we're talking with Masada Yub. We're actually going to go to uh, do, do a commercial break, and then we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about some of the uh, some of the myths that are pushed by Hollywood and what we can do to to combat the misconceptions. Right here on Gun Owners Radio FM ninety six one AM eleven seventy. The answer. AM eleven seventy. The answer. Well, Blackhound Optics, accurate, affordable, and guaranteed sporting optics that go the distance. They're backed by customer service that also goes that extra mile. Great guys, great product, and a great company that is making optics affordable. On top of quality optics, they pay close attention to the customer experience. And did you know their scopes come with mounts, so you don't have to worry about finding one that fits. We are very excited to have them on as an official partner of the show. Ask them for your at your local gun store or find them online at blackhoundoptics.com. We're talking with uh, nationally renowned trainer Masada Yub, and we're talking about some of the some of the misconceptions perpetuated by Hollywood, which is a theme for our, our show this month. And uh, you know, we recognize that some of the inaccuracies that you see in movies, you know, it's just entertainment. But the reality is, this entertainment creates culture. And culture can work for or against you. And we're talking about some of the ways that uh, the culture created by Hollywood 
when, when, when it comes to gun owners, has worked way against us. Um, Masad, is is there has anything worked for us? Has there is there is there a movie out there or a theme or anything? Is any part of this actually benefited uh, you know sane trained law abiding gun owners? There aren't many. You'll find the uh, the occasional movie where uh, the victim is being stalked and they're able to shoot back. Uh, there was one thing I enjoyed with the Terminator movies hmm. that uh, an armed citizen was able to stop the uh, the unstoppable robot long enough to save lives. Uh, the most recent of the uh, Halloween movies, I think it was, with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, ended with her having become an armed citizen and effectively using a firearm to defend herself and her family. But overwhelmingly, the the image it projects is negative, simply because Hollywood, as we all know, is dominated by those of left-wing persuasion. And I think one of the curses of our society today is identity politics. You know, people who've never looked at a particular issue will sort of check and say, well, let's see, do I identify as progressive? I do. Let me check. Uh, oh, I'm progressive. I must be anti-gun. Therefore, I'm anti-gun. And really, <laughs> most of the people who are anti-gun will tell you the AR-15 is, you know, a weapon of war. Uh, interestingly, uh, President Biden just said, well, people with AR-15s can't take over a government anyway, so it's, it's got to be one or the other. Yeah, right? one or the other, right? It's either a weapon of war or, you know, it's useless against uh, a war. RF-15s. Yeah, one of the two. Do you think the, the Biden administration is, is the most anti-second? I haven't had a chance to do a whole lot yet, but do you think that... Oh, without question. Without the, question. Yeah, the, with the, the most anti-Second Amendment administration uh, imaginable, and that's that includes Clinton, who actually passed the assault weapons ban. I mean, uh, they're going after uh, guns ag- aggressively, at least at least their rhetoric right now is. Oh, I did. And remember uh, that Joe Biden uh, was one of the ones who pushed that through back in uh, the early 1990s. Right. Yeah, that was and his baby. Every single study of the decade uh, when that was federal law showed that it had virtually no effect mm-hmm. on reducing crime. Nor has the assault weapons ban in California. When uh, Obama was president and Biden was vice president, the study done by CDC showed virtually no impact uh, would accrue from gun bans or magazine bans. Uh, the simple reality being we're talking about criminals. Criminals, by definition, are lawbreakers. The terms are literally synonymous. Uh, you're going to stop them from accessing guns by passing another lesser law for them to break when they're already planning to commit murder or even mass murder. It's ludicrous. A child should be able to figure that out. Now, do you think, when it come, going back to Hollywood, do you think that... Uh, that- um, a lot of the writers and directors, people making these films, do, do you think it's a conscious effort that, hey, we really want to villainize gun owners and we really want to make guns look horrible? Or do you think it's really just more about you know drama and selling tickets? Or, or, or there, what can- there are elements of both. Uh, I think many of them will, uh, will tell you that they're doing a public service by demonizing guns. And many of them probably genuinely believe that. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. So how do we combat the misconceptions? What do we do? What's a, what's a functional in the, in the thing? the end, with truth. 
and because none of us can be movie producers, uh, the the truth that we can get across is call in radio shows in your community, writing careful, reasonable letters to the editor for your local newspapers, both print medium and online, and basically at every opportunity, making a comment and saying, look, here is the truth, here is the documentation, here's where you can find out the reality, look up the CDC study, Uh, do a Google search for Crime Prevention Research Center, uh, founded by Dr. John Watt. It's an absolute uh, cornucopia of validated research that shows the inefficacy of gun bans. Uh, You would find the same at uh, Second Amendment Foundation at saf.org. You know, this is that you know the the, you had an illegal 15-round magazine in the state of New York. Each 15-round magazine, if you went on vacation. Let's say to the Poconos, and miss that you had an unloaded 15-round magazine mm-hmm. uh, somewhere in the trunk of your car, and it was discovered after an auto accident or something. That single magazine would be a felony, mm-hmm. and would make you a felon for the rest of your life. Two of them would be two separate felonies. You had a criminal who had as many as he wanted. The magazines, uh, the AR-15, the conventional AR-15 in an assault weapon state like New York where the gun has to be modified so it's no longer really an AR-15 to own one, those are the first things that are plea bargained away when actual criminals uh, go into the criminal justice system. You can't plea bargain it away because there is no lesser offense to owning it. And ironically, you had no criminal intent. You performed no actual crime, per se. You had no mens rea, that is, no intent to commit a crime, no no level of negligence so gross that it rose to a culpable standard. Yet you become, de facto, a criminal. But when we, we see atrocities like Parkland or Sandy Hook in the newspapers. It's human nature to say, we've got to do something. And right next to we've got to do something is we've got to blame someone. Well, we can't blame the poor criminals because the the current progressive agenda, as we're seeing in Los Angeles, San Francisco, Portland, Chicago, is that ooh, criminals are victims of society. So therefore, in Chicago, they're literally bonding out uh, uh, murder suspects on personal recognizance. Yeah. It's it's crazy. It's insane. Now, you know, this is a big question, and it, and it, it goes back to, to culture and, and uh, maybe a little less about the movie industry. But uh, yeah, what are there like, Joe, what, like 20 million CCWs in the in the country? Didn't you yeah, quote yeah. that? So about 20 it's million. That. Moss, what, what if there were, you know, there's 350 million. What if there were 200 million CCWs in the country? What if 200 million Americans bought a gun, got training, uh, got their CCW and carried everywhere they went. If if you if you had to do a, a you know a, a two minute analysis, three minute analysis on that, what would the country actually look like with with that amount of uh, protection? You know, maybe, maybe that's a slanted way of, of asking the question. But if two hundred million people, be, I can tell you, there would be more body bags with criminals in them instead of victims. There would be I, I think that criminals. that quote right there is pro that that should I don't know that should be embroidered on a 
throw pillow or something. I mean, that's exact. I mean, that's that's. Say that one more time. There would be more body bags more filled with and victims and body bags. I think that you just summarized. I just asked you to do a three minute analysis. You just did it in one sentence. I mean, that's really what it is. But keep going. Well, if you think about it, it's it's simple biology one hundred and one. Criminals, particularly in crimes against the person, uh, armed robbery, rape, assault, and murder, are predatory crimes. The nature of the predator across the mammalian world, including us, including our species, is that predators seek prey. Predators do not pounce other predators unless they're fighting for turf or fighting for a mate. They seek something that cannot fight back and cannot harm them. They talk about the early bird gets the worms. Uh, When I was a young patrolman, I had a very wise young sergeant who said, you know, if worms had 45s, early birds would leave them alone. (laughs) And that is basically a truth. Uh, They are not looking to get shot. They're not looking for combat. You do get the rare one that wants to die in a blaze of glory, and they have to be accommodated or the intended victim dies. But by and large, they are seeking a helpless victim. So do you think with 200 million armed, trained, uh, you know, CCWs out there, you know, and I'm just, I picked 200 million out of a, out of a hat, you know, whatever. But if we had a significantly larger population of people who were able to defend themselves, were trained and had the tools to protect themselves when they leave the house, do you think the violent crime rate would, would drop after five years, ten years? Oh, I don't think there's any question that it would. But what is that for? What's that country? Is it Switzerland or someplace over there where everybody is assigned a gun once they become of age? Uh, not everybody, but uh, every male of military age and every female who opts for it uh, where is, is that? issued uh, a, a true assault rifle, a fully automatic weapon, uh, a Sig Sturmgewehr, and is taught how to use it. And, uh, and how high is their crime rate? When I was in Switzerland, virtually every village had a rifle range, uh, just like today you see every village has a, uh, you know, a, a baseball park in America. Hmm. Uh, it was really, an, it's really a strongly encouraged national sport over there. Uh, they have uh, shooting tournaments that they call shoots and fests. It is probably the lowest crime nation in all of Europe. Mm-hmm. And most of the, Swede- uh, the Swiss cantons, uh, if you are legal to own a firearm, you're legal to carry one. And when I was over there, the cops told me, really, the only homicides they generally see on the street are drug dealers killing each other, drug, you know, other drug dealers over drug turf. Well, I, you know, we talked, you mentioned earlier um, identity politics, and, you know, I, I got to tell you, I kind of, I, I don't fight it. Okay, if you're telling me that, that your uh, particular group, your community, whether it's ethnic or, or gender, whatever it is, if you're telling me that you're oppressed, okay, great, I believe you. But let's, let's get you the tools to uh, help you fight back against that oppression, and I think the most effective tool for self-defense is a firearm. We're talking with uh, Masad Ayub. Appreciate you so much being on the show. Thank you. Thanks, Masad. My All pleasure, right. guys. Stay safe. Keep oh, up you, the good work. You got it, buddy. Thank you. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, but next, the presidential plan for gun control. Stick around. You'll definitely want to hear that on FM 96.1 AM 1170. The Answer.
All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer! Biden's gun control plan will totally help keep keep people safer while honoring the Second Amendment. Not! <laughs> you know, some people grew up, what's that word? Hoppies. Hoppies. It says hoppies. And love the smell. Me, personally, I didn't like it. But other people aren't so crazy about it. See, smelling solvents and ammonias. And if you're in that second group with me, CL1 is for you. CL1 CLP Plus is an all-in-one solution that cleans, lubricates, and protects your guns. It also smells a little bit like toothpaste. So get some online or ask for it by name at your local gun store. Clean your guns faster, better with CL1. Use code GOR25 for a 25% discount off your first order on their website. Go to seal1.net. All right, what are we going to chat about out here? It's going to so, be exciting. Yeah, well, the Biden administration came out with a document um, and uh, basically saying, hey, here's what we're going to do to stop uh, stop criminals from doing criminal things. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, uh, they didn't really fall back on a lot of the usual talking points and ridiculousness of, of, of uh, you know, some of the gun control stuff. Which, which I believe is because they're just a few months in. You know, midterms are right around the the corner. It's their first, uh, it's their first, uh, uh, you know, uh, four years. So, but here's what they did say. Here's what they're trying to do. Here's what their comprehensive strategy is trying to do. They want to stem the flow of firearms used to commit violence, including by holding rogue firearms dealers accountable for violating federal laws. Support local law enforcement with federal tools and resources to help address summer violent crimes. Is that the law enforcement that you're defunding? Those are the ones you're going to support with the federal tools? <laughs> yeah, and only the yeah. summer violent crimes. If you're doing it in the, in the winter. Oh, the winter's okay? Oh, well, shoot. Invest in evidence-based community violence interventions, expanding summer programming, uh, employment opportunities, and other services, sports for teenagers and young adults, and help formerly incarcerated individuals successfully re-enter their communities. Joe, what do you think? Did you read this document? Uh, no, I have not. I, I, I try not to upset myself if I don't have to. <laughs> uh, I read enough of it researching articles. <laughs> well, what did you? What do you think of the plan? Uh, again, it's you know one of the things that's interesting is uh, again, like you mentioned, they're coming up on you know next year will be they'll be campaigning again for the twenty twenty two election. Right. So the more outrageous stuff you've got to push now. Because come the end of the year, they're going to have to kind of readjust and pretend to be more toward the center a little bit, yeah. uh, so they can go through and uh, and do their campaigning and all that stuff. So, so they're kind of in a hurry to get this stuff through. But I mean, that that was the points that you read were just kind of um, you know almost like bland or milk toast kind toast. of things. There, there was no "we're coming for your guns" uh, kind of stuff in there um, that I've seen. So they may be holding uh, holding back on that right now. Well, that first one, stem the flow of firearms used to commit violence, including by holding rogue firearms dealers accountable for violating federal laws. Well, rogue firearms dealers are a major problem. I mean, we have a lot of rogue firearms dealers yeah. here in San Diego. Can you define right? rogue? <laughs> and we have firearms dealers here, but uh, well, would it make it make so the perception? You know, if you're outside of the bubble, is that oh, okay? Well, this is some criminal firearms dealer who's just. You know, offloading firearms Out of onto his trunk. the yeah to MS thirteen and the Bloods and the Crips and everybody. Here you go. Um, the reality is, if you if you dig deep, uh, you know they don't dot an I or cross a T on their paperwork and they pull their license. 
Well, see, yeah, and that's the same kind of, and again, it's that, that kind of fluff stuff. You know, it's like the gun show loophole. You know, you, you throw this stuff out here that sounds like a big deal, like, and again, contributed to, you know, from the Hollywood uh, kind of stuff that we were talking about. Right. You throw the stuff out there and you say it often enough, it, it, it grows legs, you know, it becomes, okay, people believe that. Is that like root cause? And, uh, yeah, root cause, yeah, Kamala Harris went to go look for the root. She went for the root cause at the border. That's why she was down See, there. I, it's oh. to the point where I hate that phase now. Somebody said the root cause was back in the White House. Should have stayed there. That's <laughs> where the problem is. Well, this is. I got to tell you, the ATF is a predatory agency. They're anti-gun and they go after people that are, are that are that aren't aren't mm-hmm. career criminals and aren't trying to you know cause crime. Um, and I will say that all day long. I was at a meeting last year. Um, and I don't, you're not going to tell me that some, oh, gee, I know an ATF guy, and he's pro-Second Amendment. Well, his no, job's not. Yeah, right. His job's not. Yeah. And I'll say it all day long. Every, every ATF agent I've ever met uh, you know, needs to go jump in a lake. They're they, they not a good agency. It is a predatory agency against dealers. Um, I was at a meeting last year where uh, the, uh, the, the federal uh, district uh, prosecutor said, hey, we want to try to, you know, we're trying to stop firearms from getting into the hands of the drug cartels. I don't want the drug cartels to have firearms. You know, I'm, I run a, a, a pro-Second Amendment, uh, you know, uh, uh, organization. I don't want, you know, them to, to, you know, illegally obtain and use firearms. So I was listening. Okay, well, what's next? And they went on the rest of the meeting to talk about how they were going to use federal law to go after people who were trying to obtain off-roster pistols in California. And, you know, listen, uh, the drug cartel doesn't care if they have a Gen 5 Glock or a Gen 3 Glock. That it, it was absolutely not true. So even the disconnect between, uh, you know, the, the, prosecutor, the federal prosecutor was the Trump administration and the ATF was, you know, kind of off on their own. Uh, you know, talk about rogue. <laughs> they were kind of <laughs> off on their own island. They just wanted to prosecute people for wanting, you know, like I said, Gen 5 Glocks or, you know, normal firearms that the rest of the country could have. And they were they were excited about arresting these people. But isn't that an easier route to travel I, you than know, going after the criminal? I, my impression was it, it was probably an easier route, but my impression was they're predators. These ATF agents don't like firearms, don't like you having them fire, have, having firearms. And the more you know, the more little you know, uh, little X's Elf, they can Elf's put on the wall. Yeah, the, you know, the 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 more they they rise up. There was one guy in particular. He used to run uh, the the local uh, uh, sub state. I don't know what they're called. Local local office here in San Diego. Now he's running basically all Southern California. He ran for judge at one point and tried to convince uh, the the gun successfully convinced many people in the gun community that he was pro Second Amendment, saying, "Hey, look, I." I, I work here at, at ATF, so I you know you want me on on the bench because I know what, what's good and what's bad. He's a predator. He's a predator. He doesn't like you having guns. He doesn't like gun shops. Mm-hmm. He's absolutely adversarial to him. He's not simply some law enforcement guy who wants to make the world safe. No, absolutely not. And I don't you know he's probably not listening. I've, we actually tried to get him on the on the show. Uh, maybe we should try a little bit harder, but this gives people like him this plan that Biden's putting out uh, gives people like him, uh, you know, empowerment to go after people that are just trying to make a living. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're talking about people that are running uh, gun shops that are just trying to make a living. Now, if somebody's doing something dishonest and they're arming bad people, and you know, Different okay, story. great, but how many of those could there? Are, how many of those could there possibly be? You know, there's no study in the world that shows that that's an enormous problem. 
you know, although this is the backbone of their of their of their initiative, it's not the backbone of their initiative. Yeah. What it is is it's a, a de facto uh, harassment of of of, of uh, firearms owners by getting rid of firearms dealers. Well, gun stores right here in San Diego are under the most, uh, you know, the largest microscope you could ever imagine. They can't even hiccup without you know an FTA guy down or the police down to find out what they're doing. So how could you have a rogue gun store. I mean, that's just well, again. What? It's just it's the mythology that you hear because this is actually a good lead into the article that I did this week, anyway. Because you know when they talk about abolishing agencies, if there's one agency that should be abolished, ATF probably because uh, you know if you look at their mission, because I included their mission statement. If you go to their website, um, the ATF mission it says the ATF protects the public from crimes involving firearms, explosives, arson. And the diversion of alcohol and tobacco products regulates lawful commerce and firearms and explosives and provides worldwide support in law enforcement, public safety, and um, industry partners. Now, what in there cannot be done by the FBI, by local law enforcement? And what in there has to be done? There's a couple well, of things in there that really don't have to be well, done. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, how much is the, the, the unlawful transfer of tobacco products? Is that a big problem in it, this country? It shouldn't be. <laughs> you know, why is... Do I need a federal agency to deal how, with that? How old is that mission statement? That's probably it's, the key. It's up on their... Uh, yeah, I don't know when they wrote well, it. I mean, it's up probably on their during website prohibition, right now. Probably during Prohibition and... But yeah. I but I want to make clear that this isn't you know this isn't hyperbole this isn't you know someone who's just making claims un, uneducated I'm somebody who's, acting on it. who's well I'm somebody who's been in the meetings I'm somebody who's who's you know heard the stories and and uh, you know been there when when gun shops are are, are you know, not just getting their their hands slapped but you know being threatened to be put out of business for you know some minor paperwork uh, discrepancy it's not even a you know what I would consider a violation like I said they're not purposely arming you know criminals well it's like you said if they forget to put a comma yeah or, you know something minor yeah well, it's right there and you could legitimately make the argument that they they spend a lot more time pursuing law-abiding gun owners than they do uh pursuing criminals or people that are using guns to actually do other things like yeah that. normally law-abiding you know people that aren't career criminals that's really what we're you know the idea is and what we hope is that atf is going after career criminals and if that were the case, I don't know if we'd be having this discussion right now, but the reality is ATF goes after non-career criminals on a regular and aggressive basis, um, and that's wrong. That's wrong. You know, if a gun shop, you know, fills out Section 7 incorrectly, you know, five times, you know, because it, they thought it was – and shutting them down – that they're not career criminals. That's not solving a problem. That's not stopping people from getting hurt. It's predatory. It's predatory. And yeah. I'm here to say the ATF is predatory, and the people that work for them, especially the guy in charge in Southern California, is is a problem, is a problem. And he's not somebody – I'm sure there are a lot of anti-gun zealots that think it's just fine because they think we're all evil. Sure. Um, but the, the reasonable folks out there, uh, you know, the uh, uh, gun owners and, and even people that aren't gun owners but are reasonable people – um, would would be shocked if they saw what was really going on, if they knew what was really going on with the ATF. Absolutely. Hey, folks, stick around. The next segment's coming up. Joe Germisi is going to expand on this topic since he wrote his blog today, which you can find at gunownersradio.com. 
uh, or San Diego County Gun Owners. That's, is that where it's at? Is San Diego that, County Gun Owners dot, dot uh, com or, or did we change that? SDCGO.org. SDCGO. Yeah, you can get there either way. San Diego County Gun Owners dot com slash blog, SDCGO dot org slash blog. Cool. All right. Well, you're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM Welcome back to Hour 2 of Gun Owners Radio with your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with your questions and comments or to learn how to become a sponsor of the show. Time to get involved and get active. Together, we will win. Now here's Dave, Joe, and Michael on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks. Hey, welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. Before being nominated to the head of the ATF, only Second Amendment folks knew who David Chippen was. Why do Second Amendment groups hate this guy? We'll get into it right after Dave tells you about conservativeeconomy.com. Absolutely. You know, in a David and Goliath fight, conservative economy takes on three-headed beasts of mainstream media big tech and big business all the time are you tired of your money going to anti-american companies like amazon google and apple check out the free speech alternative conservativeeconomy.com slash gun owners radio you can shop electronics home goods office products guns uh, that you can't buy on amazon and a lot lot more better yet when you shop at conservative economy you can also help Gun Owners Radio. Just go to conservativeeconomy.com slash gunownersradio. That's conservativeeconomy.com slash gunownersradio. All right, Joe Germisi, who is David Chipman, and why should I care? There you go. That is uh, this week's blog article. Um, yeah, so David Chipman is the Biden administration's nominee to head the— uh, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, or the ATF, or the AFT, as Joe Biden calls it. <laughs> um, but yeah, the uh, that's the uh, the nominee, and um, currently the they've gone through committee in the Senate, and uh, he's made it out of committee on a split. I think it was I saw a ten to ten vote, I saw eleven eleven vote, hmm. but uh, it was along party lines. But he's out of committee, and now it goes to the full Senate for consideration. So, again, that's who he is. Why should you care about that? Um, so, one of the things, we were talking on the last segment a little bit about the ATF. And just to back up a bit, it's, um, you know, this David Chipman is, uh, to be generous, I guess, is an anti, uh, anti or gun control activist, I guess. That's a, that's a kind way to say what he actually is. Um, and uh, it should not be surprising that... Uh, the Biden administration would nominate someone like that to head ATF. Uh, you know, the, the uh, thing that we'd mentioned in the last segment, I, I think I, I called the Biden administration, the, the most anti second amendment administration we've probably ever seen in the country. And um, I said that in last week's article, when I wrote, um, wrote about the uh, governors fighting back 
I reiterated it again in this week's article, and uh, Masada, you confirmed uh, the opinion yeah, I heard uh, that. a little while ago. So, um, so it shouldn't be surprising that they they put a gun control person there at the head, or they try to put a gun control person there. And um, one of the things, you know, if you're not clear on on how the Democratic Party and the left views the Second Amendment and gun control, uh, and I mentioned this last week too, Tucker Carlson did a great 12 minute piece on on how the Democratic Party um, views gun control and what they do. And uh, and I, I put the link in the article, and if you haven't looked at it, it's, it's uh, definitely worth 12 minutes of your time. But he goes through that, and one of the points that Carlson makes is, you know, when there's discussions between the left and the right, um, normally, even if you completely disagree with the other side's um, position, you can usually understand and say, okay, I can see why they're saying that. I disagree with it. I think it's wrong, but I understand what they're saying. And Carlson makes the point that um, that gun control is not like that. With gun control, virtually everything they say from the Democratic Party is untrue, and it's provably untrue. It's not an opinion that, okay, it might be true, might not be true. It's factually untrue, and they know that, and that's different from how we do other things. So... Um, it's it's um, interesting to see that, and it's well, well worth looking at uh, Carlson's video. So we talked about, uh, you know, I mentioned the ATF's um, uh, mission there in the last segment. So regarding firearms, again, it's something we talked about in the last segment, too. It seems like the ATF expends more energy, more resources going after, you know, law-abiding gun owners for, for minor things than they do going after criminals that are actually using firearms that commit crimes. So brings us back to, okay, why is David Chapman such a, a bad choice or, or something that we should be aware of? And, um, and actually, he's a bad choice. Um, I'm going to run through just some considerations here. But I was saying that uh, he got out of the committee on a straight-line party vote. So it was pretty much split uh, between Democrats and Republicans. They're expecting in the full Senate to be the same kind of thing. And, and even the usual... Um, again, generously saying moderate Republicans uh, like Susan Collins from Maine, for instance, has come out and said she can't support this guy. She's talked to her constituents. She's talked to people from Maine and she can't support him. And she's one of the handful that that you would expect on the Republican side to for whatever reason to vote for this guy. Um, but it looks like, you know, pretty much the Republicans are going to stick together and not vote to confirm him. If one of the moderate Democrats uh, goes over, like Joe Manchin or something like that, um, we may not have this guy. But uh, it's going to be a tough fight in the Senate. And again, one of the reasons I think he's extremely dangerous now is because David Chipman, we, we'll talk a little bit about his uh, history, and he's not just an extremist. I mean, he's he's a lunatic. Yeah. And, and he's a lunatic among lunatics. He's like a lunatic's lunatic. Yeah. I mean, he stands out even among those people. And, you know, he's a 25-year career ATF guy, which, again, is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, he was a field agent at the, uh, the Waco operation with the Branch Davidians, which, you know, a lot of people consider one of the biggest failures or maybe the biggest failure in, in law enforcement in this country's history, um, where they, they used a, an overly aggressive thing to really go after some people, you know, for firearms-related stuff. And they ended up killing 76 people, including 25 children, and they lost a couple of ATF agents. Um, and again, he was there then. He was not in a command position. So, I mean, you can't really hold that against him so much. What you can hold against him is he still defends that to this day, uh, that that was a good thing. And um, he makes some bizarre claims. 
where the lunatic thing comes in. He he still claims that uh, that the Branch Davidians uh, fired 50 caliber rifles at helicopters and shot down two uh, Texas Air National Guard helicopters. That never happened. They no helicopters were shot down. They never recovered any 50 caliber rifles there. And he knows this. He was there, but yet he uses that as an argument to support the gun control arguments. Um, he believes that uh, he stated that AR-15 should be treated as uh, the same as machine guns in this country. Machine guns are effectively banned in this country. I mean, people can get them, but you've got to go through a, a really rigorous process, and it's very, very limited. So for the most part, they're banned. Um, he believes that, uh, or he actually suggested in an inter interview, that people that fail black uh, background checks should be arrested on the spot. Uh, he says that's a way to prevent um, crimes before they actually happen. He claims to have looked at data saying that uh, people that fail black, background checks uh, actually went on to commit crimes later, which, again, that, you know, we don't do that in this country. We don't arrest people for crimes that they might possibly commit sometime in the future. And so this is kind of the way he thinks. And um, he even uh, in a, um, I was going to say, in a, in a 2012 um, MSNBC interview, he stated that he believed the Secret Service should be unarmed. So <laughs> this is the kind of thinking there. And, and you know, that's not even rational. I mean, that's not even <laughs> crazed anti-gun stuff. I, mean, I don't know what that is. The, um, you know, the other thing, too, is there was a clip. If you watch yeah, what the— what does that uh, even mean? <laughs> uh, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's—, it's uh, Well, what I'm saying is, again, he stands out as a lunatic, even among really yeah. odd fringe people. What, did but, you hear how he was—when uh, John Kennedy from Louisiana, Louisiana asked him to define an AR? Yeah, he refused to define an AR. No, it's not that he refused it. He couldn't. Well, he threw it back on them. He said, well, it's not. He said, it's up to you guys to define what And then he turned means. around and he says, no, I asked you to define it. And yeah. he said, uh, and he, he wouldn't said, do it. He used well, he the couldn't. term. Says he couldn't. And uh, yeah, and that's, like I said, this is the guy that you want to head the ATF. The, uh, well, anyway. Uh, <laughs> hey, that's the first in. time the music startled him. So that's good. So uh, go ahead and read the article. You'll see all that other stuff. Where Watch do you find the, it? Uh, Where do you find it? It's sdcgo.org slash blog. It's on our blog page. All right, folks. Well, hey, stick around. Joe's not done yet. He's got the Bra Bravo holster gear review right here on Gun Owners Radio, FM 96. What? AM 1170. The Answer. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Bravo, according to Webster's Dictionary, means a shout of approval. Is Joe shouting about the holsters from Bravo Concealment? Let's find out. Uh, before we do that, we want to shout out our YouTube viewers. We want to thank Rick Cohen, Ghost Hammers, Jay Christian Mueller, Old Dude Tim, AKs Are Better, and the Harbor Patrol. Thanks, guys and girls. Appreciate all your looking and uh, sharing and doing all that. Yeah, Rick's the best, man. He does a ton of volunteer work for us. That's awesome. Thanks for listening, Rick. You're the best, buddy. Hey, primeres.com slash alpine. Are you in the military looking for help for a VA loan? Well, if you're looking to buy a refi or if you're just considering a reverse mortgage, call our local mortgage guy that you can trust. Call Chris Wiley at PRMI Mortgage. For nearly 25 years, Chris has been helping local San Diegans 
with all their mortgage needs. Give Chris Wiley a call at 619-722-1303 or just go to primeres.com slash alpine. All right, Joe, what do you got? Okay, what I've got is a um, inside the waistband holster from Bravo Concealment. Actually, this is the inside the waistband um, holster combo because you've got a holster and then you've got a mag pouch that comes with it. And um, it's really actually, I was going to use Melissa's um, method here. I was going to try to get a banana for my uh, for my holster, and I was thinking of plantain for the mag yeah, pouch. But you end up eating them but both. I didn't make it to the store, so it didn't work out for me. But uh, I would use a piece of plastic shaped like a gun, but yep. I can't. I'm not allowed to do that. That's so, even. so you just have to use your imagination here. So, um, the Bravo concealment holster inside the waistband version, and then the um, the uh, mag pouch that comes with it. So, talk about the holster first. The uh, the holster is nice and compact. It's really small. This is the holster I was using with the uh, the comfort concealment belt that we looked at a couple of weeks ago. Um, which was really handy. The comfort concealment belt was something that went on. Um, it was in, intended for um, when you're dressed in things where you don't have a belt, so where you're wearing sweats or shorts or something like that. And um, I used this holster with that belt, and it worked perfectly. The holster, you can see, is um, is really compact. It's small. There's not much to it. Um, the only thing I would say with it, too, and it, it, it um, grabs the gun really well. This is sized for a Glock 19, which is what I carry. Uh, it's a nice positive click when you put it in there, so you know it's in there and it holds it really well. Um, there's two clips, and these clips are, um, again, kind of the plastic clip. I don't want to say plastic. I forget what the material is on here now. It's a, it's a nice kind of heavy-duty plastic, I guess. Uh, if I was going to say one one thing that I was concerned with was with the plastic, I think I like the metal clips a little bit better. But Bravo Concealment's got a lifetime warranty on this, so if these things did fail over time, I'm sure they'd replace them. Um, but I mean, I saw no indication of that or anything. They, they grabbed my belt really nicely. They stayed right exactly where it was supposed to be. Very easy to put on, very easy to put, take off. Um, the only other minor thing too, is if you look at the back of this, uh, you know, again, it's the hard plastic on the back, kind of a little bit of sharp edge here. Uh, and because this is inside the waistband, this part of it is up against you, up against your body. So it works best. I found with, um, another shirt on underneath of it. So even if you're in a t-shirt, a thin like Under Armour shirt or something like that on the back works fine with this. So um, we have the holster part of it. The other part here is the uh, the mag pouch, and the version that I have here is for uh, is set up for um, outside the waistband, so you can see the belt loops back here. Uh, works very well. The other thing too, and I should mention on the holster, if you look at the holster from the edge, you can see it's kind of canted uh, in. And it works really well with concealment. It actually pulls the holster back into your body, so it conceals very well. There's uh, really no printing or anything with it, which I thought was really uh, nice. You have the same kind of uh, curved shape on the mag pouch. So I like to carry outside the waistband anyway, so when I tried the mag pouch, I had it on my opposite side, on my left side on the hip. And uh, it conceals very well. It works very well. The other option you have with this holster is you can put these things together and wear them as a as a unit together. So you would take the smaller clip off. There's two uh, Phillips screws in the back. So you take the smaller clip off, um, take the belt clips off of the mag pouch, and then what happens is you'll move the mag pouch over here. You'll mount the mag pouch so the two screws that are holding the uh, the smaller clip now hold the mag pouch. The smaller clip moves to the outside here, so you could wear it as a unit. 
um, which I tried, you know, for me, it felt fine, I guess. It's just kind of not my style. But um, if you like to uh, wear it that way, uh, it worked great. Again, it was um, it was pretty comfortable. It was uh, it was very well concealed. It hugged right in against the body. Uh, the only you know one of my issues with it is I'm and it's just a training thing. I'm I'm used to having the the magazine or the extra magazine on my offside hand. So when I reload, that's how I train with it. Um, having them both together on the same side is a little bit different. But I think again, it's just a training issue. Um, if you train with it to work, you know, to make it work that way, um, I think it would be fine. But um, overall, just a great um, little holster combo thing. And um, I don't, Michael, if you uh, when you carry a um, if you carry a mag pouch, would you tend to carry it on the on the opposite side? Yeah, or? I'd carry it on my support side. So have you ever tried it with uh, both of them together like this? Not that I recall. I think I used to have a holster a long time ago where, that had an integrated mag pouch uh -huh. in the holster. But that was, I think it was a, a drop leg, you know, it was a thigh holster. So, Well, this is nice, though, because like I said, it gives you the option. You could do it either way. You can carry this outside. You could switch it over, carry it inside the waistband on the uh, holster. And like I said, I think I don't carry that way, but I think it would just be a training thing. If I yeah. chose, I wanted to carry that way. I just practice with it. Yeah, I mean, and, unless you're competing, and you, know, uh, you don't have to do it. And, you know, yeah. It doesn't have to be lickety split, you know, getting a new mag in there. Yeah, so like I said, it's just a matter of getting used to it or training. Yeah. But um, but yeah, it works really well. And for fifty two ninety nine, I think it's uh, priced really well as uh, as well. It um, it feels really solid. You know, I I mentioned earlier the clips here, and these clips actually, I don't I don't want to say, I don't say it's a bad thing. I mean, they they feel actually pretty solid. I think they'd be just fine. But you know, I'm my tendency is if I don't see metal clips, I'm thinking, okay, I don't know how long is this going to last. But like we were saying before, I mean, even if even if it turned out they didn't or they did fail, it's got a lifetime warranty on it. So it, it probably wouldn't be an issue. Now, did you use this on the belt that you reviewed a couple of weeks ago? I did. And it worked uh, well. It worked perfectly. Like I was saying, the only thing you want to wear a shirt underneath of it because you've got the, um, mm. again, kind of this hard plastic edge on there. So, and it, it wasn't real uncomfortable because I did it both ways. I mean, it wasn't real uncomfortable. Uh, having a shirt on the inside made it better, though. Um, but yeah, this worked perfectly on that comfort concealment belt. Because again, it's small. If you look at it, there's hardly any profile to this thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's really tiny. The clips work really well. They grab really nicely, and there's there's a nice lip underneath them, so they grab the bottom of the belt, and uh, they pretty much it pretty much stayed where I put it. And um, like I said, I think because it's so small, you know, because sometimes with these these kinds of holsters, they're bigger out here on the sides, and you just you feel it more. Right. This one, it's just tiny. You don't feel it at all. So. Um, What'd you say you're carrying in that? A Glock 19 in this one. So this I've heard is what of I it. got it sized for. <laughs> and um, and yeah, just uh, it worked really well. Um, I don't know what else to say about. It. You know, it's interesting though. How I, much? Uh, fifty two ninety nine. Which is again for each? for the combo for both. Oh, of these. for the combo. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, the the price point is great. I think. Uh, you know, it's most of the stuff I have is is about that or more. So. And the manufacturer is Bravo Concealment. Is that different from uh, the other one? Don't ask me one. I don't know. I know. Yeah. yeah, the other one was uh, comfort concealment. No, right? no, no. So Bravo. Uh, what's oh. his name? Uh, oh, I, yeah, I know yeah. the one you're talking about. What's his name's company? Bravo something. Yeah, yeah. Is the difference? Different I think company? so. Right. Yeah. Can you put a second uh, magazine? You can. 
and it works. Like you can make a whole ring of them. Works the same way. I suppose you could. They uh, on if you look on their videos on their uh, website, they've got I think three different videos, Mm -hmm. and they show you just exactly how to pull them apart. It's really easy. You just unscrew these. There's a um, a washer though, a rubber washer inside of them, uh, between the two pieces that you want to make sure you don't lose. And sometimes you got to finagle it around a little bit to get it to work uh, or to get it in there. But um, but no, they uh, they actually. Did they do that on the video? They may have strung two of these together. Um, but you could certainly do that. It looks like the fact that you – I mean, I don't know why you would do it, but if you just were so inclined, it looks like you could. Some people like to carry two spares. Uh, right. So, uh, yeah, again, this isn't Bravo Company, Larry Vickers Company, right? No, no, this no. Is this is a different Bravo, Bravo Concealment. Bravo Concealment. Yeah. Right, gotcha. So, um, so where was I at here? So, uh, yeah, you can link those two things together. And some people – I guess if you're carrying a smaller gun, maybe a single-stack gun or something, you might mm-hmm. want to – um, and like on my 1911 holster, I've got a mag pouch that's for two. Or maybe so, a, uh, do so they make not, a flashlight pouch too? Maybe that might be something. That could, you know, I, I didn't look on there for that, but it's possible. But I like how it's nice and modular. There, you can do a lot of stuff with this. Uh, what's interesting too on their three videos, though, that again they have all these these petite little guys on there. So you know the thing slides in, <laughs> slides out, looks great. You know, they don't have any manly guys on there. But, um, Manly, that's the that's the like good. That's but, uh, good. Yeah. <laughs> but I tried it, and like I said, it was comfortable with me. It worked fine. Um, like I said, it conceals well too. I think. Uh, did I'm, you drive a car with it on? Did I? Because um, you know, know when you're in a car, you know, some of your extremities have a tendency to pinch and roll. Yeah, and I don't. <laughs> I don't think I did drive with this one on. I'm trying to remember. I don't think I did. But again, that's a matter of placement for me. So it's just a matter of how far around the side of your hip do you yeah. put the thing i'd have to put mine under my chin because <laughs> i do that like i said normally i carry outside the waistband when i do carry inside the waistband um i'll just it's just a matter of where you yeah. position the thing but this is uh, again this is small i wouldn't think this would be any kind of issue at all because mm-hmm. this is um i i bet this is almost half the size of the normal the clinger inside the waistband that i would typically wear if i was wearing inside the waistband this is much smaller, and that one's fine sitting in the car. So I imagine this one would be pretty good too. So, um, so anyway, that's what we got here. Any, you just got uh, it online. Um, it is. It's on BravoConcealment.com. So they have a really nice website. They've got several videos showing you, um, you know, how to put these things together, how to take them apart. It's nice that it is modular like this too, because like I said, I I would prefer. I'd probably wear the um, the mag pouch outside. But if for some reason I wanted to put them together and just wear the whole thing inside the waistband, uh, it was fine. Where are they located? Um, I don't know. You know, I didn't look, but I have the literature here. You could uh, look while I'm doing it. They were local because, you know, we're starting (laughs) to see more and more accessory companies pop up in the San Diego area. Alamo, Texas. There we go. Well, it's a little bit closer. I think the comfort concealment guys were in Georgia. Mm -hmm. So we're working our way back this way. On Alamo Road to Boot. So they must be in the the Alamo. There you go. It's got to be a good place. So uh, what else do I want to say about this? I think, um, like I said, overall, I think it's a great deal. $52, it's definitely worth trying out. Um, if we sold you on the Comfort Concealment Belt uh, last week, this thing works great with the Comfort Concealment Belt. So is this going to be your primary, or how often do you think you're going to use this now that you um, have it? I will use this whenever I use that Comfort Concealment Belt, definitely. So uh, so when I'm in uh, shorts and sweats, or sweats, uh, this will be the shorts one I'm with. Maybe both, yeah. Maybe both. Why not? Do it that way. All right, folks. Stick around. More to come on Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer. 
right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. So, hey, since we're back here, um, before we get going, uh, since Dave distracted me uh, a few minutes ago, I forgot to tell you the discount code. Darn it, Dave. So we I have know. a discount code for Bravo Concealment. So it is G-O-R-5 for a 5% discount. Um, member discount, 10%, so you got to be a member. So I guess that's a member of San Diego County Gun Owners? That's is that right. what we're talking about here? Yes. Who wrote this? All Rich. right, anyway, we got that. Okay, so um, the fight to defend and restore the Second Amendment is a big one. Sometimes it's hard figuring out what the difference is between all the different Second Amendment organizations. So what makes uh, Gun Owners Radio different? Well, before we go there, we are very proud to partner with the National Concealed Carry Association as a 10-ring partner. NCCA exists to serve the Second Amendment community by providing a nationwide network of 2A advocates. They offer elite self-defense and concealed carry training from the nation's top instructors and provide rock-bottom prices on the best selection of gear and accessories. You can learn a whole lot more about them at NationalConcealedCarryAssociation.com. So let me, I'll tell you what, why don't I just kind of tell the story? Um, it's been a while and I'm not sure I've ever even told it on the radio, but um, back in 2007, end of 2007, beginning of 2008, uh, my wife and I and another couple were out camping and off-roading and shooting in the desert. It was a lot of fun. And a BLM, Bureau of Land Management, uh, law enforcement agent came and, and harassed us, um, tried to arrest me, tried to confiscate a Mossberg 500 shotgun because he said it was an assault weapon really yeah it's pretty ridiculous so um long story short is uh you know we, we, he didn't arrest me he didn't confiscate him I, I, I proved to him that he didn't he didn't understand the law he was he was trying to enforce and found out later he didn't he didn't even agree with the law that he was trying to enforce but <laughs> a government check changes changes everything so he was ready to arrest me um and that bummed me out that and the reaction when i went when i got back and you know talked to some of my coworkers and friends and said hey here's what i did over the weekend and i got harassed by law enforcement they kind of looked at me like well wow you know what were you doing with why'd you have guns you know um well but one thing i don't know if i've ever even said this but had he i i, I had an ar with me and it was actually uh, in a different location he found that shotgun before he found the uh, the AR and, and looking back I've always wondered what yeah, would have happened. It went into cardiac arrest. Yeah, it truly. I mean if he thought that shotgun was uh, scary looking. You were taking over the <laughs> world. If he thought the shotgun was an assault rifle, maybe he wouldn't have known what the AR was. <laughs> it was yeah, it was just an F fifteen. Baseball bat. So uh so I, I got involved and I got involved in the NRA members council and uh, that's a, a local uh, uh you know meeting for NRA members and uh, meeting number one, I went in and told my story and said, "Hey, I'm here. I'm, I'm not. I'm not a spectator. I want to. I want to do this thing." And the second meeting, I was voted the vice president. <laughs> and uh, there were uh, there were like six guys in the room, and we grew the organization. We grew the you know the, the following, the membership. We grew the the, the uh, you know the treasury, um, and uh, did a lot of really good things. Um, but along the way, um, you know, I wanted to get more and more engaged with politics and politicians and endorsing people um getting them elected that sort of thing and the nra didn't didn't want to do that so um okay fine you know that's they they're they're doing their thing you know totally understand i would i got more involved with the republican party and found out that uh they have a ton of priorities 
you know, the second amendment was always kind of their second or third or fourth priority. And, uh, you know, I, I did my best and I, I did a fairly good job of, of getting them to focus more on, on second amendment issues, but it was made clear. And, and this is fair and accurate that, Hey, they're not a second amendment organization. Mm -hmm. They're an organization. And one of their priorities is the second amendment, but you know, they're also worried about, you know, 20 other different political, uh, things. Mm -hmm. Um, talk to some of the gun clubs so i'm working my way through right nra members council republican party talk to some of the other gun clubs and organizations and they basically said uh we, we don't really want we don't want to play, paint a target on our back you know we have these these nice club people come out and shoot we don't want to get we don't want to rock the boat like if we just if we just quiet you know no one will come and and, so and, quit and beat waves. us tonight <laughs> yeah so i'm going through this whole thing got involved in some uh campaigns and whatnot and that sort of thing and basically, I sat down with a guy named Mark Halcon, who owned American Shooting yep. Center. You remember Mark? And we had lunch and said, you know, let's let's write this down. What is the problem? You know, and we came up with uh, with the problem, and that that is still up on our website on San Diego County Gun Owners website. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, now we have a problem. Now we've defined the problem. What's what's the solution? And the solution was exactly what what everyone sees with San Diego County Gun Owners which is a, a group of, of people, an organized group of people that raises money, that vets candidates, that endorses candidates, that engages with the media, that do, does all these things to change the culture of, of uh, you know, for gun owners, but really truly is acting as a sledgehammer in the political world. You know, if you disagree with us, you know, we, will, we will replace you. If you agree with us, we will support you. Mm-hmm. We don't do anything on the state or federal level because there are already organizations that, that are doing things on the state and federal level. We concentrate on the local level. Um, but the idea was, you know, activism before that, you know, when I went to the NRA meetings, the members council meetings, you know, it was fun. It was social. We'd have a stake. We got to know some really great people. Um, we'd sign people up to be NRA members, but that was it. You know, we, we'd do some training a little bit here and there. But you could, we couldn't really. There was a very, uh, you know, thick uh, wall between us and truly getting involved in politics. Um, so, you know, activism was 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 pretty limited um, back then, and we I, it was hard for us to, you know, get in front of people, going on the into the media. You know, interviews were pretty much a no no. Um, you know, and that's radio, TV, etc. You know, now, so what, when we created San Diego County Gun Owners, um, I wanted to create a vehicle where people could, could be empowered to do things. Um, you know, and Gun Owners Radio is an offshoot of San Diego County Gun Owners, Lance, mm -hmm. Lance Pelkey, and, you know, we had breakfast together, Dave, mm -hmm. and, and uh, you I was know, all for it. You were 120% oh, for yeah. it, 1,000% yeah, for it. And I'm like, yeah. geez, I don't know. I've never been on the radio before. I have no idea how this works. I'm kind of scared. Um, so now we can't turn him off. Now right? you can't shut me up. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and, and Joe is somebody you, you called me, you know, right after, I think it was after our second dinner and, uh, said, Hey, I want to be involved. Or maybe it was after our first dinner. Yeah, I think it was, it was, what was the dinner on the midway? It was after our first dinner then. Okay. So it was right after that. Um, and the way it happened was I was working, I was volunteering at the, um, the Western days parade in Lakeside, which we do every year. And, uh, I ran in the, 
course of like 20 minutes, I ran into two different couples that said, yeah, we were at this, uh, the second amendment dinner the other night <laughs> and I had just gotten back into guns at that point. So I, I asked Frank Hilliker about that. I said, hey, what was that? So he said, Oh, here's the guy you got to call. And he gave me your number. And, uh, I called, you know, just wanted to get involved, and I got sucked right into the board, and uh, went from there. <laughs> I well, so, but the idea is, you know, this is a vehicle for people to get as involved. You know, you choose your level of involvement. And I remember Joe. I remember you and I went and interviewed. So we were looking for some pro Second Amendment attorneys. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> and we ran into some guy who was uh, he was like a divorce attorney or whatever. And I remember we we're walking out, and you were like, "All right, so what else can we do? I mean, is this just you know, is this just you running around doing stuff, or you know, put me to work?" I said, "Okay, all right. Well, you know, what do you suggest? Now you're writing all our blogs, you're on the radio, you know, yeah. you're, you're helping with shooting socials, but this." is a vehicle for people to do meaningful activism. You know, we don't w muzzle people. I mean, we, we manage our brand is, is the term. We manage our brand and we make sure that our messaging is thoughtful and accurate. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's a meritocracy. If you want to, you know, do if, – if you think to yourself, geez, the Second Amendment organization needs this, this, and this, or the Second Amendment community needs this, this, and this, well, we're the vehicle to make it happen. And I'm, I'm really, really there. That just simply didn't exist before. Um, there, there really wasn't any, you know, gun shops didn't really know any other, you know, didn't know other gun shops. You know, they, there was no cohesion. No, there was competition. There was competition. That's all it was. They didn't want to have nothing to do with them. They didn't want to talk. But you have taken San Diego County gun owners and you've walked into each and every one of them just about, done a social, done right. a fundraiser, and it almost makes them look to the other stores. And I think for the better, I think it's, I think it's made, you know, one of our goals has always been to try to get all the gun stores together so we can work together as a unit. Right. A high tide raises all ships. Yeah, right? Exactly. So that's what we do. And, you know, and, and, uh, the funny thing is, is at the beginning we were, we were, you know, knowing, reading about a lawsuit is not activism. You know, mm -hmm. if you, if you read an article about an, if you know everything there is to know about a lawsuit, a second amendment lawsuit, that's not activism. There's nothing. You're not affecting public policy. Mm -hmm. um, so we we decided, hey, you know what? There's a lot of organizations that are filing lawsuits. We're, we don't need to do that. We don't need to duplicate that. That's not going to be a part of our goal. And but where we where we have fit in when it comes to lawsuits, we were almost almost critical of. I used to say all the time that we've put too many eggs in the judicial basket. Mm -hmm. And frankly, there are a lot of people out there that just kind of throw their hands up in the air and say, well, nothing's going to help. Uh, so let's just sue them. And, and really what they're saying is, I don't want to actually do anything. <laughs> you know, yeah, I don't want to actually do let the let someone else do it. Because uh, there are a lot of effective things you can do that are not lawsuits. You know, the only the only people that are uh, uh, doing anything in a lawsuit is the plaintiff and the, you know, the attorney and, you know, fund them and support them. But well, look at what you've done for concealed carry. Yeah, well, so so the lawsuit before we before we go into the concealed carry, so we're plaintiffs in 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 a few different lawsuits now, you know, and and that's people ask especially at the beginning, they say, well, how do you work with 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 national organizations? Well, Firearms Policy Coalition organized the lawsuits, uh, did the the lion's share of the funding for the lawsuits, um, and we we lend our you know we work with them by by being plaintiffs. We raise a little bit of money, but nowhere near what they. I don't want to. And whatever them. they need you to do, whatever they need us to do, that's how we work together really, really well. But yeah, the CCW thing was I, never. I remember having a a an argument with one of the board members at the very beginning. Uh, he wanted to put out the message that we were going to, uh, you know, we were. I forget exactly, but it was along the lines of, "Hey, we're going to get CCWs in San Diego," 
And I was like, ah, it's, <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know if we're going to be able to do that. You know, that's a, that's a huge goal task. Yeah. That's a huge goal. I'm not sure, but we're going to work on it. You know, we're not, fo- it's not our only reason to exist. And now look, you know, look what we've done. You know, you can get a CCW in, uh, in, in San Diego and, it really shows that you know. And you what got effect not me, San Diego. Not me. Th- th- that all, right there is one of your biggest of, ad, uh, accomplishments. Truly, and I mean, you know, it spun off Orange County, Riverside County, San Bernardino County gun owners, all three other orders. But all of, of all the things that have happened, not me, SD is the thing yeah. I am most proud of. I just think it's such a fantastic idea. I think Wendy is the exact oh. right person to you know to do everything she's done with it and i'm, I'm so proud of it but yep. that's that's what activism is and you know step number one is joining uh you know step number two is getting involved if you just don't have the time to uh, to get involved and be involved you know then uh you know pay the 10 bucks a month you know what i came up with another great idea i'll do this real quick a friend of mine had passed away and he had no family he had nobody and his endowment to the automotive museum was everything he owned to the tune of over a million dollars. Wow. There's no reason why somebody that has no family, doesn't have anybody to leave their money to, if you want to give it to the government, fine. Or you can give it to San Diego County gun owners. There you go. I mean, it's just a th- I mean, sounds crazy, <laughs> Truly, but, it, I know. but it happens. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio on FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. And, uh, okay. So, hey, you know, we live in a state where your self-defense rights are under attack. So let us be your voice to help defend and restore the Second Amendment. Help spread the word about the fight. There's two easy things that you can do. One, link and subscribe to the show on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, Instagram, the podcast, or whatever way you like to listen to the show. We're making a push for 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. So if you haven't already, please subscribe to our channel and hit the like button as well. So again, share the show with as many friends as you can. And thanks for tuning in because remember, together we will win. All right, two of our most famous segments. No mic drop today. No mic drop. Oh, I'm going home. <laughs> Don't go home. So let me take my head. We got off. some other stuff to talk about. We are going to do the uh, Stump My Nephew, though. All right. I you like, like that, that right? Well, I like that one Yeah, equally. Even even better. I just want to see if we can catch this little guy. I know, right? All right. Let's try it. All right. Sam, you there? Yeah. How are you guys? Fantastic. How are you doing? Pretty good. Good. So every week we do Stump My Nephew. Sam is my nephew. And uh, if you send in a letter, if you send in a, an email, a letter, a letter, um, if you uh, if you send us a stamp, yeah, if you send us a, a question that has to do with gun trivia or history, gun history or, uh, you know, marksmanship or you know, whatever. We could send a letter. It'll stand out. We don't get many of those. That's right. true. Yeah. If you send a letter, it'll we'll probably, definitely use that. Right. Yeah. Send a letter. It's hard. It's harder to delete. If we if we use your question, you get a, a shirt or a hat uh, from San Diego County Gun Owners for free. If you stump my nephew, you get a a uh, you get a membership to Front Sight, which Sam's been to. How was Front Sight, Sam? Excellent. Excellent. All right. Okay. So here's the question, and this is from Jaime in Encinitas. Jaime wants to know what did the Daisy Outdoor Company sell 
before BB guns? Uh, honestly, oh no, I think I have no idea. Little, little outside the box, but that's you know still. I read the answer and I'm going. He's not going to get this. He's not going to get that. Did you have? Did you, ever, did you have a, a daisy? Yes, I did. What'd you have? Do you remember? I had the red rider. So did I. And I had to cut the stalk off by an inch and a half because it was too long for me when I started shooting. How how old were you when you got it? Four. Four. Yeah, my dad was. He insisted that I became a very good are, shot. Are you going to read the answer? Yeah. Oh, you want the answer? <laughs> you're going to love. Well, I'm, I'm going to read it in just you're a minute. Love, I'm building up the. You're love did you have? Now, did you ever have? Did you ever BB gun, Sam? Um, yeah, I, I didn't really shoot it all that often. I, I didn't have one when I was very young. Um, and I, I started shooting real guns before I started shooting BB guns. So it didn't really do anything for me. Mm. Oh, oh, all right. Joe, Daisy. I never got one. My mom always said I would shoot my eye out. So <laughs> I had, so no, that's not, that's a written memory. <laughs> what? So what? I had the, the red, I had a red rider. It was, I, I was. I yeah. was like ten when that came out. What, what did that come out? Eighty four. So I was like eight, I guess, when that came when that movie came out. Oh, when I was ten. Came, oh, they came out way earlier. Was it that. earlier than that? Because I had it when I was a kid. No, no, no. I mean the the Christmas story. Oh, I thought you said we're going back to Red Dawn again. No, 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 no. Let's go back to. Yeah, Red Dawn was uh, <laughs> eighty four, and so was a Christmas story. I believe they both came out the same year. Yeah. Uh, huge, huge, huge gun. All right, will you give them. him the answer before he has a heart attack? <laughs> well, let me t- let me finish. So my, my, I remember they said, "Look, we'll we'll buy you a BB gun because of that movie." I had to wait till I was ten, mm-hmm. but I remember telling my mom. She said, "All right, well, what what, what would you like?" We went down to Walmart, and there was an, a a BB gun that was an AR in an AR. It looked very much like an AR, like very much like an AR. And then there was the Red Rider. And I said, well, one of these would be great. And she said, well, well, what would you do with it? And I said, well, if I had the AR, I'd go out and I'd play like I was, you know, in the, you know, in a war and warrior and do this. Made it sound like it was, you know, I was going to do all these things. If I had the Red Rider, it'd be cool too, but I don't know if I'd do a whole lot. Well, if you're a concerned mom, <laughs> what do you think you're going to buy? Which one are you going to buy? So I talked myself out of the AR. I got a Red Rider. You tell her about the birds then. Huh? <laughs> I didn't tell her about the birds. I didn't shoot any birds. I, I had some some frogs took a beating. Oh, we did that with the birds, but my, my cousin had a BB gun. So. Oh, yeah? <laughs> uh, model cars. I didn't shoot any animals that, except reptiles. They, like I said, there were, I was the you know scourge of, of Bay County, Florida when it came to frogs. They got a beating. Did you ever get in a BB gun war with your buddies? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell I actually, the truth. No, well, I was in a BB gun war, but it was my brother and his buddies. Oh, yeah. Boy, and those so, things sting. Yeah, just, I was too young. I didn't have a BB gun just yet. Just trying to make Sam hang up in disgust, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's the answer. The company Daisy Outdoor Products sold windmills and gave complimentary BB guns with every purchase. The BB guns became so popular that they stopped selling windmills and started selling BB guns. There you go, Sam. Learn something new every day. Windmills, huh? Windmills. I had no idea. Do you have any? You have any interesting trivia on windmills? Um, no, that's pretty <laughs> far outside my area of knowledge. All right. Well. All right. Well, we we stumped you. I I, I owe uh, I owe Jaime a uh, um, a uh, yeah you do a membership to Frontsight. Yeah, you do. So, all right, Sam. Not, good job, man. Not to worry, man. Are you going to be on? So next week is Fourth of July. Are you? What are you? Are you, are you available? Are you going to be on? Uh, I might not be able to. I'll, I'll have to hash that out with you later. Later? You don't want to tell people what you're doing? Totally. Well, no. We'll, we'll have to, to yeah. I don't know, figure it out. Okay. All right. All right we'll keep him, keep him in line. Will you guys? It's cool. I know what you're going to be doing. It's kind of cool. You don't want to talk about it? Oh. <laughs> no. Okay. All right.
All right. All right. Okay. All right, Sam. I'll talk to you soon. The abuse you take. <laughs> All right. So last week, we uh, we went up to Orange County. Wendy and I went up to Orange County, had a ton of meetings, had our monthly meeting up there. Um, one in particular that was very interesting, we met with a guy named Gene James, who's on the city council for San Clemente. San Clemente just passed their sanctuary city uh, uh, deal resolution. Oh. And he was the guy that authored it and pushed it through. And we had a really, really great conversation, uh, conversation with him. Um, and uh, we had a number of great conversations. A couple of gun shops that want to host the meetings. You know, everything that's happening in San Diego that we were just talking about in the last segment is really starting to come together in Orange County. It's looking really, really now, cool. Now, was he a Second Amendment sanctuary city? Yes. Yeah, well, Sec- you didn't say that. I didn't say that part. Uh, so, no. <laughs> Second Amendment. And I'm going, well, what kind of interesting no, no, no. conversation could you have with yeah, this Yeah, Second Amendment sanctuary city. San Clemente is a Second uh, Amendment sanctuary city, which, which is great. It's a great statement. You know, it doesn't mean – and, well, by the way, so <laughs> – he said, "Well, why don't we meet at my office?" He gave me an address. The office was a bar. So was it really? Yeah, it was kind of cool. I already liked the guy. So uh, Wendy and I are hanging out with him, and uh, uh, no sooner do we sit down, guy comes up. You know, guy in the bar comes up to him, and just was, "Oh my gosh, thank you so much." The vote, you know, the sanctuary, the Second Amendment. You know, guns are so important. Just, just gushes right there over him. Oh, so great, so great. And uh, I, I said, "You know, does that does that happen a lot?" And he said, "Yeah." He said, "I was pumping gas yesterday." at the gas station and a couple of people pulled up and thanked me. And we had a nice long conversation about how, you know, yeah, he got a couple of, you know, hate ma- emails, sure. you know, gee, you're a jerk. How could you stand up for the constitution like that? But it, you know, the amount of people who came out of the woodwork and said, this is awesome. You know, when you stand up for what people believe mm-hmm. in, you know, they get passionate about it. People don't get passionate about, you know, bond issues. And unfortunately, the, the the Republican Party has has retreated into you know just talking about uh, tax issues. You know, we want politicians to vote the right way on tax issues. Maybe you know we all have different opinions on spending and tax and all that other good stuff. But the reality is, uh, you know, people don't get passionate about that. People simply don't get passionate about that. When they do bring up an issue that people are passionate about, they're rewarded time and time again. You know. And Joe, you, you know, you've seen that. We've seen that. We see it all the time. You know, people, you know, well, gee, I don't know if I want to talk about this. And wah, 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 wah. We have to, you know, drag them over the finish line sometimes to get them to, you know. And then, by the way, you know, what's the uh, what's the saying that, uh, um, you know, uh, success has many parents and failure is an orphan, right? Yes. So you drag them over the finish line. You know, they could do something good for the Second Amendment and they, you know, people, you know, pour out the praise you know and all of a sudden they're like well yeah you know it's important to me or whatever okay whatever we had you know we really had to convince you how important it was to you hope your neck doesn't hurt for me putting you in a headlock (laughs) (laughs) but the meeting on thursday was awesome we had 50 people at this meeting and uh you know um it's really really truly coming together in orange county i'm really really happy to see it and you're gonna um, have a san clemente county gun well san clemente's in orange county oh okay so that's why we were meeting with him up there um but, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, Orange County is very much like San Diego. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, there's no reason they won't, you know, demographically and economically very much like San Diego. So there's no reason they're not going to be just as successful as San Diego. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those things are good. I think, uh, you know, the sanctuary city things, even though, like we said before, OK, they don't have any teeth. I guess they can't do anything with it. But it's it's good to stand up and it's good to make a statement. And it's good because it shows other people yep. that 
that, okay, leaders really are standing up and they're doing what they can do and they're going to push and, you know, maybe it'll inspire other people to do some more and they'll get some better ideas and they can do some more stuff. Or maybe I'll move there. Amen. Could be, could be. Stranger you know, things. Um, you mentioned things that are dear to your heart. I think did you just say that a few minutes ago. Did I say dear to my heart? Something like that. All right, um, all right, I'm getting old now. You weren't so I talking about quickly. new skis. No, I wanted to tell you, though, that I actually watched Red Dawn last oh. week. Oh. Uh, you bring that up now? We only have one minute and a half? exactly why, yes. Oh. Uh, How was it? It was everything I expected it to be. So, uh, What does that mean? Outstanding. What does that mean? Everything I expected it to be. So I watched it, but you described it as a life-changing movie for you anyway when you saw it. Yes. And my 17-year-old life-changing movie was The Enemy Below, which you should watch this week with Robert Mitchum. Oh, that's awesome. Find out about that next week. I mean, it's easier to change an 8-year-old's life or 10-year-old's life. That's true. I was 17. It cost me six years watching Robert Mitchum. Oh, I see. There we go. Mr. Roberts is the way I want to go. Hey, if you're listening on the YouTube podcast, hit the like and subscribe button. Share the show with as many friends as you can. And please support all our great sponsors, San Diego County Gun Owners, U.S. Law Shield, the Dillon Law Group, CL1, PRMI Mortgage, Black Island Optics, National Concealed Carry Association. I want to thank Joe Jermisi, Michael Schwartz, Sam the Gunman, and that digital dude master, Brendan Thomas. And don't forget Bob Siegel's right around the corner. Don't touch that dial. And go to gunownersradio.com for podcast latest information and questions. Or if you want to throw us a bucket load of money, we're here for you. Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl.